what the Bitcoin veterans group, from what I've gathered, is they're trying to do sort of like a side event. So like an adjacent event. So like, hey, you're coming to Bitcoin magazine, Bitcoin 2024 put on by Bitcoin magazine. But like, if you're a veteran, here's all these badass things that we're going to do. It's going to be like, uh, this dude's bringing down a bunch of halibut from Alaska mm-hmm. and is going to do like a seafood feast. Yeah. Um, and then they're going to do like a range day or like a shooting competition or something along those lines. Um, and I would be interested in going to that and just yeah. going to hang out with like those dudes. But I, I have, I mean, I, I'll probably get a ticket to the conference just cause I, you know, you can get them if you're a, a, a open source contributor. Um, so I think I would qualify for that based on what I've done. Uh, but I don't know how, like, I might go to just like, just to see it, but I'm not. Like yay Bitcoin twenty twenty four. Are you are you yay Bitcoin twenty twenty four? Fucking Tim. Oh man. Which by the way, I don't know. You, you know we've adopted that, right? Like I'm producer Gary now. You're I do. fucking Tim. Yeah. Okay. Looking at looking at you, Tim. Yep. Um, I'm not anti Bitcoin twenty twenty four. I really appreciate uh, Nolan. Um, I think maybe Count BTC on Twitter. Can't remember for sure. No, um, I really appreciate is. him. He does the the morning Bitcoin magazine show streaming on Rumble YouTube. Has a lot of really unique perspectives. Really like oh. the Bitcoin magazine guys. But like you said, you know, there's kind of some shitcoiners there. But it's I'm not nearly I'm anti shitcoin, but at the same time, um, I really don't like the toxic maxi attitude because we were all shitcoiners at one time. And so <laughs> as much as we can bring people into the fold and it's like, I was having a conversation uh, with a guy recently and he said, you know, eventually you get wrecked enough that you just see the light and that applies to all these guys. So instead of just turning them off and making them anti Bitcoin with a negative attitude, bring them into the fold to some extent, uh, show them the love and eventually they're going to see the light. So that's kind of my attitude. So I think there's a lot of value in Bitcoin 2024 but you're right. I would rather just kind of avoid these massive crowds at events and just eat a bunch of meat and hang out with some veterans and have a good time. So that would be my attitude as well. Well, and I mean, we, we've been out for a number of years now, too. And there's something there's an allure to not only getting back together with veterans, because, you know, like you've we've partied with veterans, right? Like it's, it's a thing. We were in the Navy, like the Navy's known for drinking and stuff. So of course we got silly, stupid and did, uh, you know, regrettable things that are not regrettable <laughs> because we did them, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not the best reflection of our, our best selves. We'll call that. And, uh, you know, that kind of fun, that kind of silliness, just being able to let loose, not to do like degenerate things, um, again, but just to sort of be able to, uh, be around people that you you share similar values and then furthermore like bitcoiners right because yeah. like in the bitcoin veterans circle it very it seems very uh like i'm not gonna offend anybody or hurt their feelings and if i do like that's fine they can go cry in the corner but they won't because they're veterans and veterans yeah. just talk shit and have this sort of thick skin attitude um that's super appealing and i think it's great for like the bitcoin community yeah, well, you hooked me up with, uh, you know, that conversation with Shane about a month ago now, I think it was. And, you know, other than you, and I still stay in touch with, obviously, a lot of my veteran friends. And so there's always, especially when you're in, right, like you see the world the same way as a lot of these yeah. guys. You've had a lot of the same experiences. You've been through some really great times and some really terrible times. And 
no matter who your family is or what that background is, there's nothing like veterans and that rapport and that understanding, that baseline that you have with other veterans. And so when I talk to Shane, when you throw Bitcoin on top of it, right? And I think because so many veterans, and this is something that the Bitcoin veterans have talked about, so many veterans feel so let down. Right. And so disappointed. Uh, yeah. Kind of the way that it, everything turned out. Right. You know, the, the forever uh, years, 20 years in Afghanistan, it culminated with the way that we left Afghanistan. But there was still that camaraderie there. And when you add something, when you add that component of actual hope and actual excitement and optimism for the future, like that's just unparalleled. So when I talked to Shane, I was talking to my girlfriend right afterwards. I was like, man. Other than Gary, like, I just don't have conversations with people like that. Like out here, you know, yeah. I'm a little little bit isolated in Wyoming. I've met some random Bitcoiners and I've met some veterans, but there are not any other veteran Bitcoiners out here that I've met. So when you combine right. the two, I mean, that is a community that can be leveraged to do so much good and accomplish so many things. And you guys really talked about that the other night on the the Bitcoin Veterans Podcast, all the things that they would like to accomplish the kind of movement that's been created, the culture that they've cultivated. Um, we see it in, you know, the messaging groups and these conversations about these Bitcoin veteran citadels also, which I'd like your perspective on. I think it's a fascinating idea. Um, I definitely need to get my ham license. And, and yes, get your ham license, people. Yeah. And look, we have, uh, you know, we got we got real mountains out here and none of the little play mountains you people on the east coast have so there's some uh some opportunities for some for some cool stuff in the mountains out here so i don't know if that's something that i can help make happen i I don't know if there's any other wyoming guys i haven't seen it at least in our group our bitcoin veterans chat group i don't know if there's any other wyoming guys in there i actually need to find that out but it's uh well we'll we'll ask we'll find them out we'll connect them and 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 if nothing else we'll find some veterans out in wyoming and orangeville it's interesting i think it's there's um the 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 bitcoin veteran groups the thing that has me most excited about it and it's something that you see in other uh sort of like bitcoin communities but the um but less so like veterans have sort of like this accountability thing to each other like um there's an expectation and and also an acceptance when you and another veteran are, are doing a thing, right? Like when you're working together and the guy next to you like lets you down, you're like, whoa, dude, like what the fuck? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And, and there's a, there's an easy, easy, there's an easy path to sort of like, let's, let's hash this out. Like right now, let's, like, let's hash this out. Let's figure out like what's going on here, where the ball was dropped. Was it my fault? Was it your fault? It's probably some combination thereof together um but then also it's like when when things are shitty that that's really when uh when it's hard to sort of keep going and that sort of grit and tenacity is i I would say is not a trait common to most people um it's not a trait you know there's some people like the fitness the fitness crowd right like of course those those people like know how to get in and grind and suffer but in only a certain way right like i don't know there's some you know, fitness bunny out there and he doesn't want to go work out in the rain because it's going to be wet and cold. Well, like a Bitcoin veterans, like, no, like let's, let's do this. Um, and so I, I try to think about that sort of like to get on the mission thing is great and everything, but I try to think about what, um, how do you, how do you leverage these relationships to, to, to advance Bitcoin, right? Like aside from just, um, 
putting a message out there. There, there are things to be accomplished in Bitcoin and things to be done uh, for the Bitcoin ecosystem that, you know, hopefully, hopefully this veterans community, we can, we can leverage. Right. And the, and the beautiful thing is like when you get veterans know um, for better, or for worse, like you have all these like cypherpunks. Right. And I love the cypherpunk movement. Like the, if, you, if you have not read the cypherpunk manifesto, go search cypherpunk, C-Y-P-H-E-R-P-U-N-K, cypherpunk manifesto and read it. It's a, it's a beautiful read. Um, but there's something to be said about a well organized group of individuals that can just like execute and follow orders, uh, while also being individual thinkers. Right. And that, I think that's bred a lot more in like the, the special operations community, but just in general, like a veteran at the very least, you can say, here's a document of how you go do a thing, go do the thing, right? Here's your, 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 goal your objective and um that that's something that I, I i can hope we can leverage in in the bitcoin community is like these veterans to be like they're looking for a reason they're looking for a purpose they're looking for a reason and then if you have an idea of what it is right so like the you know shane alex these guys running the show mike gabe and and, and uh, jordan all them you know they're they're driving this like hey this is what we're doing get on the mission come join us and do this and, and they give you guidelines but they're also like Hey, if you, you got other ideas, like shoot them at us and then let, let's go execute it. Um, and that's why I really made that call to action with ham radio, because I think at a baseline, everybody, everybody in the military, like talked on a radio at one point, or at least got like the basic training or anything like that. Uh, but if nothing else, hopefully it'll give somebody an idea of like what to do. Cause a lot of people look for, they're like, oh man, I can't write code. So like, I need to go learn how to code to help Bitcoin. It's like, no, no, you don't, you don't, you don't, you definitely need to be proficient at like running software and using a, a computer, right? Like it's a, it's a technical revolution, but the, um, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a dev. There are other ways to help the devs that don't require you to write any code. Um, command line familiarity, probably a good idea, but even just like, Hey, dev, when I click this button, it doesn't do the thing that I thought and trying to elaborate and explain that is, you know, immensely helpful. So anyway, soapbox done. <laughs> When are you gonna start your Citadel, Gary? I already have Tim. Have you not? Yeah. What not is a Citadel? What, what, what do you? What in your mind? What is a, a Citadel? A Bitcoin Citadel? Well, I think it's probably somewhat different to everybody. Um, depending upon who you talk to, you might get these visions of, uh, you know, like a weird Mormon compound in the 1800s in the mountains in Utah somewhere. <laughs> And uh, then there's the seasteading, right? You've heard about the seasteading concept, uh, kind of was big in libertarian yeah. circles for a minute. I don't know if it still is, but the idea of these just kind of autonomous floating cities out in international waters, which frankly, I think probably sounds terrible. I don't know. I don't love it, but it's different to everybody. Um, but really, ultimately, a place where you can cultivate ideas and cooperation individuality centered around you know kind of a bitcoin ethos which is a lot of personal responsibility and responsibility to your fellow man based on the incentive structure in bitcoin which is very communal and cooperative but at the same time based entirely i think on a lot of that individual effort and individual energy because of the incentives of bitcoin so that's kind of the foundation i think of a citadel in my mind and that can manifest itself in many different ways. That could be a 
farmer's market where uh, maybe they just exchange in Bitcoin, right? And maybe it really is that kind of compound. Maybe it's going up on the mountain with Shane. Maybe it is um, just you and your family, right? I think you can take a lot of different, a lot of different forms, but ideally it's something that just grows on itself. Whatever it is, you know, bring more people into the fold. I was having a conversation with a guy this morning, a uh, Colombian guy here in town has a really, really awesome little coffee van, uh, makes some really great coffee. And yeah. he was talking about how passionate he is uh, about coffee and how that's his thing. He loves being his own boss. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, uh, I kind of hate my job, but I'd love to work in Bitcoin. Like I'm really passionate about that. And he's like, Bitcoin, really? And, you know, not too dismissive, but I was like, yeah, you're going to be taking Bitcoin here pretty soon. Like eventually that's going to be the thing. He's like, oh, okay. Okay. And it's like, you know, maybe that's the beginning of your Citadel, right? You just tell people about it and maybe they're not too interested and maybe they're kind of dismissive or they don't understand it, but it's all about that evangelism. It's got to start somewhere. And eventually I think that grows on itself. Well, of course, like I, I, I Google definition Citadel, right? And according to Oxford, dictionary it is a fortress typically on high ground protecting or dominating a city and you know similar to what you said how there's like you can very easily imagine a physical manifestation of, of these citadels um i think it speaks a lot to sort of the the circular economy model of bitcoiners getting together finding other bitcoiners that have valuable skills and services and using those valuable skills and services, but basing it all on Bitcoin. Uh, and that doesn't mean like valuable services and skills to Bitcoin itself, but just by by accepting and transacting in Bitcoin, you you know you are you're helping the the network grow and prosperity and um, driving those circular economies. And I think that's a very interesting. It, you know, the definition here specifically calls out a city, um, and so that's what made me think about these circular economies because if you you know, dystopian future where the U.S. just bans Bitcoin and says no Bitcoin. Period. Right? Um, how do you how do you get around that? How do you survive? Especially if you're already on a Bitcoin standard, which not a lot of people are, uh, but more people are are coming to be on that standard. Uh, it, as far as they're all in on Bitcoin, like they don't have fiat, so they have to either sell their Bitcoin for fiat to pay whatever fiat bills they have or fiat expenses they have, or they have to find merchants or service providers that accept Bitcoin. Um, and I think that's where you get the citadels, right? And, you know, it says protecting or dominating a city. Um, dominating kind of has a negative connotation, but I think, you know, an idea can dominate something like your mind, the, the, the social zeitgeist of a city can be dominated by an idea. Uh, but then it, and protecting a city that's like super easy to attribute to Bitcoin. There are a number of analogies where people talk about the defensive nature of Bitcoin, where, um, Bitcoin does not directly attack any one thing, person, idea. It sort of sub subverts it. it not, it's not even subversion. It is, it is a completely separate system outside of a lot of these negative ones that exists with, like you said, the incentive model that promotes cooperation and peace. Um, and I think that's how you protect a city, right? Like is it, if you can get your city on a Bitcoin standard or primarily a Bitcoin standard, like you hear about the <clears throat> Bitcoin beach or Bitcoin jungle down in Costa Rica or anything like that, like those people are immune to hyperinflation of their 
you know, their countries and currency. Um, so that's, that, I would say that's pretty protecting or pretty protective. Yeah. That's the right wording for it. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely have, I think a monetary citadel, right. And it could take on those physical characteristics that you discussed, but you know, it's kind of like over time, you know, back in the day, way back, you know, you, you would build walls, right. And there was a benefit to, to building those walls. And then, you know, technology changed and gunpowder and the cannon kind of made those walls obsolete. Right. And then as, as time went on, um, technology made the cannon obsolete. Right. So as far as a, a Bitcoin Citadel goes, I think that, you know, Bitcoin itself already makes so much obsolete, right? Like if you had gold, right. Uh, just a truckload of gold and a community that just was centered around a vault exchanging gold not using the local currency mm-hmm. there's still there's a pretty easy attack vector there which is brute force right yeah but bitcoin itself yeah but bitcoin itself makes that brute force pretty obsolete you know and whether that's bows and arrows cannons uh nuclear weapons whatever else I mean, it's kind of just moved beyond that, right? So you could mess with people, you could cause problems, but can you go get the gold? Like, can you really go shut it down? I mean, maybe that little enclave you can, but those people can just leave, which that's kind of, you know, Bitcoin itself, you know, in that sense, is kind of a giant citadel, right? Just a global network citadel situation. Um, So arguably the citadel already exists. It's just about... How does that physically manifest itself in different places? And that's going to look a lot different across um, cultures, languages, uh, personalities. It's going to be very different, but still all centered around the same ethos. And that's a pretty exciting thing to think about. But, you know, that also brings us to the the topic we've been talking about, which was the, the go offshore or the stay and fight, right? Like if they do want to shut you down. Right. Do you leave? Like, do you go find that citadel? Do you go find that tribe somewhere else? And it's definitely a lot easier said than done. But is that something that you want to do or do you stay and fight? And I've heard a lot of different perspectives. I've heard people say that if you go offshore, you know, flag theory, plan B, passport, you know, you're a pussy. You got to stay and fight these people. I've heard a lot of other people make convincing cases. It's like if they don't want you there. Like, if they're going to attack you, if they hate what you are, what you stand for, do you stay and deal with that? Or do you just go somewhere and build something? You know what I mean? Like, and you're much bigger on the tech side than I am, right? Like, you, yeah. you actually want to build things in the code, contribute to the community. You want to be behind that screen, building all kinds of products and services. Um, you know, if you're busy spending all of your time fighting with whoever is trying to oppress you then you can't contribute to bitcoin right like most of your time and effort most of your resources go to survival at some point so is that worth it or is it better for bitcoin for the community for your family to leave and go offshore i mean that's interesting and i think it comes down to how prepared you are to sort of weather those storms um you know, what those storms look like. Like if it's, you know, guys with guns going around and rounding up all the Bitcoiners, then I, I think the right answer is to just get the fuck out. Like just, just go as fast as, as far as you can. Um, unless you are 
capable and have the numbers to you know counteract that but we don't want like i don't want violence in my life i don't mm -hmm. i don't want it for me i don't want it for my family uh and it's especially different when you have a family um but at the same time like i i would love i want my kids to stay in the house that we're in right now until you know until they're ready to leave right when they're they're adults um but what that means is being proactive and planning for the long term uh and not not just assuming that bitcoin's winning because it i i am i'm under the belief that bitcoin wins like we're already we already won like bitcoin has already um succeeded and, and cannot be stopped agreed but that doesn't mean that there will be pockets where it is really shitty to be a bitcoiner um or to have these ideas or to to have knowledge of, you know, I'm a public Bitcoin figure now, right? I, I run a local meetup. I hand out business cards with my name and my phone number and my email address on them um, saying Shenandoah Bitcoin Club. Um, but I do that in a proactive manner because when it when push comes to shove where, you know, if, if it gets to the point where the Liz Warrens of the world are like, no Bitcoin, no crypto, we're shutting it all down and all my thugs are going to come enforce this. Um I mean, ideally, I've met my local sheriffs and the local PD. Like, you know, I go to a CrossFit gym with some of them uh, and I'm friends with some of them. And at that point, you go, hey, guys, I'm a Bitcoiner. Are you going to come arrest me and ruin my family? Like, is that like something you're really willing to do? And if you have a shitty reputation, they might just be yeah, like, a, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, <laughs> you're an asshole. Um, but if you've been a net positive for your community, your local community if you've been somebody that's been honest uh you know somebody with integrity somebody that's continued to show up and, and you know do good things it, or just not be an asshole in general um operating good faith then at that point those people have to really like question whether they're going to listen to these you know faceless oligarchs uh and enforce their will as or are they going to reconsider um what's going on and maybe takes maybe ask some questions take pause to ask some questions and, and think about it um but it's tough right like it's you can't reach everybody in your local community i'm not going to orange pill everybody in my local community um but ideally you and your local community even outside of the bitcoiners have developed a, a relationship and a network of individuals that align with you with you know that it, with the, these ideas of freedom and liberty even if they're not there yet with bitcoin right because i think there's still a lot of there's still an american spirit and I, ideally this you know i can only speak to america uh, but ideally this is a global phenomenon but I, I would hope that there's enough people with the the spirit of liberty and the spirit of wanting and desiring sovereignty that you know they would stand with you when when things go wrong um you know, for instance, there's a small business freedom alliance group near me. They, I've been attending their meetings now for over well over a year. They formed in response to all the COVID nonsense, right? Like the COVID lockdowns and all that other stuff. Um, when they shut down all these small businesses, saying you're not essential, all these business owners were like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, no, I'm essential. I got bills to pay. I got a family to feed. Well, now they have you know groups of anywhere of you know 30 to 100 people showing up for these events that they're putting on um focused in, in, in it's focused on constitutional liberties and rights and everything like that they're not bitcoiners yet 
right? I, but they know that I'm there. They know that, like, I, I, I hope that they see me in a positive light. Like, I, I, I would imagine that they do. Maybe not all of them. I don't know. Um, you know, I show up. I ask good questions. I press people. Like, the, the Attorney General of Virginia, there's this uh, famous court case uh, called Gormelts, where this basically, is, he's a veteran. I need, I should reach out to him. Uh, but he's a veteran and he had this like 90s sort of like uh, restaurant type theme, restaurant type of thing, with, like sandwiches and food and alcohol and everything like that. And he didn't shut down for COVID. He said, no, I'm not shutting down. Like, you're not shutting me down. If my employees want to wear a mask, they can. If they don't, they don't have to. Right. Like this, it, we are a voluntary society. We are a free society. Um, and this is a dude that, you know, did tours overseas and then went on and did like contracting overseas. Right. So like not somebody to be trifled with in a, in a physical manner in any means and did a lot for what he believed to be the right thing. Um, but yeah, it, it got to a point where the, you know, I think the state police or, or some sort of like PD came in and, and confiscated like all of his booze and stuff like that. And like, it, it was a whole thing, but everybody's like, what are you doing? Well, the attorney general shows up and they were all talk about, Hey, you know, we want freedom of Liberty and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I straight up asked the guy, I said, Hey, um, you know, his name, Jason Muraz, or I can't remember how to pronounce it, but he's like, uh, yeah, excuse me. You know, my name is Gary introduced myself, but do you support civil dis disobedience at, when it comes to small business regulations that are unconstitutional? Anyone on some bloviating tangent of like, oh, well, chaos in the streets and anarchy and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay. So like, I didn't respond or anything, but he very clearly didn't answer the question. And the whole point of relaying this, right? He's a politician. Of course, he's not going to answer the question. Um, it's a very direct question that he doesn't want to answer because then he, he's stuck in a hard place. All that aside, the reason I bring this up is because several people in that small business group were like, Hey, that was a great question. Thank you so much for asking that question. Like, thank you so much. You know, there's another guy that like started bringing up something that was just completely irrelevant to small businesses. Like it was a, a very relevant issue to him and his ideals and principles or whatever, but like not relevant to a small business owner trying to operate in the state of Virginia. Uh, and he kept going on and on. I was like, Hey man, like we're here to talk about this. Like, can you just like, you know, say that for a sidebar? Um, and, you know, doing things like that, like being an outspoken leader in your community for the things that are right, for, for freedom, liberty, um, and these ideas, these principles, and, and challenging the, those other people in your community that are outspoken about that um, is a great way to build a citadel. And it's not necessarily a Bitcoin citadel, but it is, you know, building a, a group of people that share ideals that you can lean on if times get rough, right? So like, I don't know, if I got laid off tomorrow because I'm a Bitcoiner or something like that. Um, I'm fairly certain I could approach a small business group and be like, hey, help me find a job. Actually, I know because I got laid off last year and I went to the Chamber of Commerce and was chatting with them and they knew me from these events. And, you know, I go to these small business events. They're like, oh, yeah, like, what are you looking to do? Let me help you. Like, you know, they were very eager and um, excited to, to help somebody uh, because because you have a good reputation. Right. Um, That's yeah, <laughs> community's dead um, in the United States. Community, I mean, when did it happen? People would like to blame social media. Um, I don't know if I don't know if community got transported right from what used to be, and it's hard for us, you know, because we were born what late '80s and um kind of grow up in the 90s so by the time we were in high school you know myspace is a thing 
right? And yep. Facebook hadn't quite come along yet, but shortly thereafter, did community just go online? And did that just shred everything about where we are? It's another interesting thing that Bitcoin kind of fixes, right? Because Bitcoin kind of takes you back to some foundational ethics and basics of human decency that really encourages community too. And since COVID, you know, everybody, you actually saw it like in the, the shitcoin bubbles, right? During, in 2020. Um, I mean, everything was a bubble, but you really saw it there too. Everybody online, um, all of the online trading just kind of blew up. Everybody was getting their, their checks stuck inside, not talking to other humans, but like just chasing the cheese online and man, Bitcoin, if it can bring people back together and incentivize community building, right. You know, going down to that farmer's market and the guy making amazing coffee and, you know, exchanging Bitcoin and having those conversations in person. I mean, fiat destroys community, Bitcoin builds community. And that's not something I had quite put in that context previously, but listening to you speak, you know, that's just, I always try to find things in our conversations to be optimistic about. I like to end my thoughts with, man, that's another thing to be optimistic about. So as you talk about community and that involvement, which that's something here that I need to be better at. I get so, particularly since COVID, and a lot of people felt this, you just get so negative. You saw so many people just comply, right? And just do whatever they were told, right? Trust the science as if science had become this monolithic God, right? And it was just, yeah. it was just infuriating on so many levels. Now, to Wyoming's credit, um, Mark Gordon, our governor, uh, Republican, former Federal Reserve Bank of, I think, Kansas City, um, oh very much an establishment guy. But the state was locked down for a month. There's no excuse to lock the state down for a month, but compared to other people's circumstances, I think the gyms were open again by May 1st of 2020, if I remember correctly. So at least there was that. And I didn't wear the mask in the stores. You go to the store and there'd be people complaining about wearing a mask and like you should do it. But I mean, you could walk into Walmart. Nobody was going to tell you to leave. You know, you might just get looks from people. And it was just so frustrating when everything happened. But, you know, there was a certain there was a time when that spirit that you're talking about, that kind of American spirit, that kind of F you individualism, you know, that came back pretty quick here. Right. So when you mm -hmm. see that in these communities, you know, whether it's your small business meetings or, you know, just what you see in your local kind of Western individual, that rug and Western individualism you kind of hear about or is idealized yeah. in Western <laughs> movies. When you see that, that's a place to spread the message. You know what I mean? To to really live out those ideals, to make those connections and to really push for people to get back to those communal basics and you know bitcoin is a great way to incentivize people to get there so that's definitely something to be optimistic about and something i need to be better about um and and hopefully when i think it's directly relevant to you know you saw the worst of it in major cities yeah. um and and in the major cities they're all i mean for lack of a better term cucked to major corporations it's whether it's dead. this this, well, it's the state, it's the dependency on external everything, right? Mm -hmm. So like in a city, you don't grow your own food necessarily. Like everything comes from the outside to the in. 
you're dependent on these things. And so if you rely on, you know, your, your job at Megacorp X and all your Amazon package shipments and everything like that, or you rely on a government job because it's the cushiest job you could find and you're working at some three letter agency that's, you know, all nice and cozy. Uh, it's very easy to just comply because you don't want to shake up your your uh, illusion of a stable life, and I think that's that's what it is. It's uh, a lot of people have this illusion of uh, stability and safety and security when it could be anything but. And I, I really think that's where the small business, like these the foundational, uh, the economic foundation of America, I, I still believe to be small businesses. And I think that's where the spirit lies that we were talking about, because those are the people that um, there's nobody to bail them out. Like at the end of the, if you are a small business owner, at the end of the day, uh, you're the last one to get paid, right? All your employees get paid first, all of your uh, creditors or whatever get paid first. Like if you have bills due, like you pay those first. And if there's stuff left over at the end of all that, that is what a small business owner takes home. Um, and it's not necessarily a lot compared to, you know, some of these other people, uh, it all, I, I imagine a lot of it do, is due to like regulatory moats and, and this, that, or the other. But in general, the self-reliance aspect, I think, is what, what needs to be sought, encouraged, and will ultimately happen when everybody gets let down by these large entities and institutions. Um, you know, Matt O'Dell always likes to say, like, hyper-Bitcoin is, is uh, the path to hyper-Bitcoinization is just people getting rugged over and over and over again. Um <laughs> And it's not necessarily in a in a monetary sense, right? Like it's not like not your keys, not your coin sense, but it's also just like, hey, you had this great, awesome job at the VA or whatever uh, megacorp that they just cut you because you're a number to them and they no longer needed your services. Um, but if you're reliant on yourself and maybe multiple, you know, avenues of income or uh, you know, an order book that you have, right? Like that's the biggest thing with small businesses is these order books of like, Hey, I got this business. I'm going to sell it. Well, like the first thing you're going to ask is like, who are your customers? And like, how much are you making type of thing? Um, and you, you have to develop relationships to keep those good. You have to, if you, if you screw up one of those relationships, then that can take down your whole business. If it's, if it's a big enough, of you know, big, big enough part of your order book. Um, but that's the, you know, a decentralizing pressure too, right? Because if you, if I see that, you know, Tim, fucking Tim is my number one customer and takes up 60% of all my orders, um, maybe I try to market to not, not you, right? Like I, I try to market elsewhere and make those connections elsewhere. Um, it kind of makes me think about this, uh, this idea that got brought up on the Bitcoin Veterans Podcast uh, that Shane Hazel apparently wasn't ready to talk about, but it was like a topic. He's like, oh yeah, like let's, let's talk about this, tri this, this concept of tribe walking, which I found like super fascinating. Um, you know, there's a book by Sebastian Younger, Tribe, and, and the core thesis is basically like everybody's tribal. That's why, you know, rah-rah sports team, go, you know, insert uh, anamorphic object like mm -hmm. bird dog or something like that right like cheer for your team your tribe and here are the colors that you fly for it um there's a there's a human desire for that but i think it's super interesting that you know bitcoin can be this bridge between these different tribes um and really that's what money is right it, money at, at its core is the basis of a society it's how you account for everything in a society um man hours right like What's an hourly wage? It's in money, right? Um, you know, what's the value of your house? It's in money. What's the value of your time? What's the value of everything you own and every 
calculation that you make is usually can be boiled down to, uh, do you have the money for it? Right. And so with this better bridge between tribes with Bitcoin as a sort of common layer, um, you can, you can build these bridges. If, if your interests lie within different tribes, uh, which not everybody is will, right? Like some people are just going to be like, this is my tribe and I'm sticking to it. And that's fine. Like there's, there's, there's a need for that. I think from a biological, like evolution uh, standpoint, but the people that just don't really care to identify with one tribe specifically and have these other interests, hobbies, activities, ideas that want to cross that border, uh, Bitcoin now enables you to do that in a you know trustless, permissionless way using sound incentives. Um, and so I, I really look forward to exploring that idea more of like this this tribe walker mentality of like these people now that have uh, a positively incentivized mechanism to go between these tribes, and and ideally, you know, the go between the tribes is is getting everybody else onto this same lifeboat, right? Like they always talk about Bitcoin as a lifeboat uh, out of the fiat system. Um, you know, pulling as many people into that lifeboat as possible, but you have to you have to be looking for them and you have to have access to them. And the way you do that, I think, is, is try walking, right? Like you you figure out where you find value in your local community or in your online community and reach out, be, be the best um, <coughs> um, small business owner you can, be the best dentist you can, right? But then tell all your dentist friends that uh, Bitcoin is the, the best and hardest money that he's ever seen. So Man, there's we'll so see, much... I, don't, I don't know. It, maybe it's a little too esoteric. No, there's so much to say about that. Um, especially, isn't it fascinating? Like you were going back to the cities. Um, I said they're spiritually dead. And it's interesting that these cities, you know, these tribes that people have created in these cities and this kind of facade of security and stability is based on fiat, which we inherently understand and ironically so is the most unstable foundation for your community and there's so many yeah. reasons that people are so frustrated and anxious and upset we've talked about it before all these tiktok videos and everything else of people like i played by the rules you know i was a good kid i went to school i got a bachelor's degree a master's degree and now I have all this debt and I can't afford to live because the system that you told me was so safe and so secure, right? The system that we all operate on, all the rules that we play by, they are all just bullshit. Like literally they serve 1% of the population at the expense of everybody else. And man, how... When you know, it's kind of like you ever like take a step in the dark, like you're going down the stairs and you're like, where's that bottom step at? Right. You're like, you're getting to the bottom yeah. and you're yeah. like, and you take that step and then you realize that where you thought there was a step, there's not a step. Right. And so for that second, you're just falling and you're like, oh shit, how's this going to end for me? You know what I mean? That is how people feel across society on this just fake version of stability that they've been sold, this fake system that is just accelerating, right? Because they have to continue printing so much more fiat, 
right? As time goes on, it's more and more and more and it's growing on itself exponentially. Uh, you know, look at the M2 money supply. And they know that something has to change, right? So it's not even the rugged individualism of the West and the entrepreneurial attitudes of small business owners. Like everybody, I think, inherently knows there's very few people left that this system is working for, right? So they're looking for the answer, right? And it's not, you know, I think Jesus saves everybody, but we're talking monetary goods here. Like they need an answer and they need it soon, right? And so that system, that system is here, right? And they just need to learn about it and understand it. Frustratingly, though, um, I saw a tweet from Peter McCormick this morning, and I'm curious about your thoughts on it, because he basically, and now I don't have it in front of me, I should have had it in front of me, I'll paraphrase. He said that Bitcoin overseas, right, where these issues are worse, right, these these economies and these, you know, these countries that are struggling with maybe hyperinflation or just stagnant economic growth, whatever it is. Bitcoin's kind of a middle-class privilege in a lot of these places. And they, most places overseas don't have a particularly prominent middle class. But even so, it's a middle-class privilege because poor people, lower-class people, they don't tend to have the disposable income to just you know buy Bitcoin. And I'm curious about your thoughts on that because so many people need it. So many, system, so many people know that the system is broken. But a lot of these are just lower class people struggling paycheck to paycheck. These are not even middle class. They're, they aspire to be middle class, right? But the middle class is being devastated every single day. It's only getting worse. So what do you think bit, uh, about Bitcoin as a middle class privilege? And what can be well, done to get lower class people into Bitcoin? Is it just an education problem? So first of all, let me read the tweet that I found. Uh, Knitter.net, by the way, great place. Uh, ha- it- Peter McCormick, quote, having traveled to a few places to make Bitcoin films, I've noticed a pattern that Bitcoin isn't reaching the poorest communities like it does the middle class communities. My expectation is that this is a down to the combination of factors, education, technology access, disposable income. Think about how to break this, pushing SOV to those with a low to no amount of disposable, oh, store of value to those with a low to no amount of disposable income is a hard sell. Pushing as a medium of exchange is also hard where there are few buyers using Bitcoin within their cohort. It feels like seeding a density of Bitcoin in a community and creating a circular economy might be a better use of time and investment. These communities can learn and grow together and a density of appreciating currency can have the reverse impact of fiat and that the growing value creates more opportunity for capital allocation, whereas fiat economies put too much day-to-day survival pressure on poorer communities. El Zante is a great example. A small seed has grown into a significant Bitcoin community and has significantly benefited the town. These communities also draw on the Bitcoiners as tourists and or residents. El Zante has an advantage because it is a holiday destination, but there's no reason other communities can't build their own hook. Anyway, just some thoughts. So I do, I do have some thoughts on this. And um, I think Pete misses something here where El Zante did have capital infusion. Like that was like, if you read, there's a, there's a PDF available out there about like the Bitcoin beach model. And it goes through like how, how to build a, a Bitcoin community, right? Like what, what did Bitcoin beach, like the model that Mike Peterson used to sort of like build up El Zante. Um, but it required capital infusion at first. Like somebody had to put the Bitcoin into the community first. 
Um, so, so I, I, I think that's true. I, it's, it's something I've actually had a thesis. I, I had a, a stacker news, um, a while back where I was like, I think I said something about like 2024 elections and Bitcoiners running a shadow government. Uh, and if you're not familiar with like this concept of shadow government, it's something that I learned when I was in Afghanistan, but it's basically like, there's like the legitimate sanctioned official quote unquote government, but then there's like the, the real power brokers of the world. Um, if you apply this in like an American context, you get the whole like deep state conspiracy, which really it is like a lot of these uh, bureaucracies are run by unelected officials that have no accountability or no way of like ousting them outside of like, hey, let's just try to vote in somebody that might change who the, you know, who's in charge of the FBI or something like that. Right. Um, but all that to say is I believe that Bitcoiners have a responsibility and this this ties into sort of like the small business angle that we were talking about earlier. But Bitcoiners, if you're a Bitcoiner uh, and you have, you know, your diamond hands, you're hodling for forever, right? There will come a point where you will become a major capital allocator in in your community, in in in, in the U.S., in the world, right? Um, you see this with the companies or, or the, uh, you know, the 1031, like the uh, Marty and Matt O'Dell. They're, those guys, like, they're like our age, right? Like, they didn't. They didn't have money like uh, like the Jeff Booths or like the press and pitches that were like trading, doing all this other stuff. <clears throat> um, I th I think, from my understanding, is like a lot of their wealth accumulation came from from Bitcoin, right? Because they they developed this conviction and they held onto their coins. They didn't they didn't dump <clears throat> them on the market. Um, and so, if you're a Bitcoiner with conviction like that, and you hold your coins for you know at least two cycles, you're going to be sitting on a large amount of wealth that. You can then either hoard, you know, you can be, you know, smog the dragon and just like, no, no one's getting my coins, right? Like, I think, I think I remember hearing like, sailor. somebody said sailor, like, is going to die with his coins because he's like, nope, I'm going out or whatever. Whatever. It doesn't matter that you have that option. But you also have the option of investing in your local community or investing in a community in general uh, to make it a better place, right? So when, when Bitcoin is, you know, a million a coin, if you have a few coins, I mean, you, you can move, you can move things around in your local community, uh, bootstrapping a small business or, uh, helping to improve a small business, maybe even buying a small business that is, is doing well, but could be modernized. Or maybe the, the person is retiring. Um, you know, if it's a plumbing company and the dude's retiring and he's just looking for somebody to buy it and operate it, but it already has an order book it has a customer base it has employees and everything like that. And you're a Bitcoiner it might be worth a portion of your stack to buy that. And now you accept Bitcoin as a plumbing company, right? Um, it's not for everybody. Like business acumen is not for everybody. But I think there's these opportunities coming where if you're sitting on a stack of Bitcoin and this number grow up technology continues the way we expect it to, um, you know, consider looking into buying a small business. It, it's advantageous in a number of ways, right? Um, one, if it's not your primary source of income, that's better, right? If you have a day job, nine to five, doing whatever, um, if you like doing it, that's great. Keep doing it. Maybe buy the small business and just like, just own it, right? Just bankroll it and take, take some profits from it, but take it in Bitcoin. Because once you control that book, once you control the balance sheet, um, you know, Parker Lewis is famous for talking about this, like Bitcoin is a balance sheet decision. Uh, which is right, right? Like what's on your balance sheet, you as an individual or you as a, a business. And if you're a business owner and whether that's the business you started from the ground up or a business you purchased, making the conscious decision say, all right, we accept Bitcoin now. 
and figuring that out is a way that you can help bootstrap these, you know, smaller communities, um, especially if you're doing it in, in an area that's got like a lot of blue collar labor and stuff like that. Right. Um, unfortunately with the gutting of America's industrial base, there's a lot of blue collar workers out there that just don't have it. Right. Like there's just nothing available because we've offshored all of everything and services are not for everyone. Um, some people just like to work with their hands. Some people are not skilled enough to do anything other than manual labor. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those people should not be precluded from earning and saving value. And the best way to do that we have is, is Bitcoin, but you might have to employ some of those people, right? Um, if you're building your Citadel, buy a, buy a farm and hire some workers, right? You know what I mean? Pay them in Bitcoin, offer to pay them in Bitcoin. You can't force anybody, but accept Bitcoin for your wares, accept Bitcoin for your goods. Do you think there is a place for stable coins in this model that you've described? Not if you're in the West, no. If you have access to dollars, there's absolutely zero place for stable coins. Uh, like if you, maybe if you're doing remittances, maybe you're from overseas or you have family overseas and stable coins might make sense then. Um, but if you're, if you have Western access to a dollar or a Euro, which are the best shit coins, uh, I, so, I see no reason to to monkey around with all this other uh, unnecessary risk, really, right? Like there's risk to the dollar, but I would argue there's more risk to like a stable coin than the dollar, at least at this point. Um, I have no technical basis for that, but just, it, I don't know, like I don't need a stable coin right now because I have dollars. Mm. But I would, I would like to have less dollars. Yeah, but overseas, you think there's some value there? Yeah, because it's synthetic access to the dollar, right? Like it's the same reason why everybody else wants dollarization in their country. It's not that everybody wants it, right? But it's it's a reason uh, why if you offer, you know, somebody to Mexico twenty dollars worth of pesos or twenty dollars, like he's probably going to take the twenty dollars, right? Uh, maybe not Mexico. I don't know. I'm, I haven't looked at their like situation, but uh, definitely like Argentina, right? Like they're going through hyperinflation. You go down there and you're like, hey, I've got U.S. dollars. They're going to be like, give me now like i want <laughs> yeah well they they love usdt on tron down there and uh that tether yeah yeah tether um they love that on tron because tron i guess is the cheapest network um uh sure. compared to like ethereum and other stuff um also lebanon i know lebanon they love USDT on Tron. I kind of, there's something about stable coins and Nick Carter's talked about them a lot. Um, he's a big fan as I understand it. I love the idea that as long as I have to deal with fiat, right? Cause we still have fiat bills to pay. I personally, all of my savings are in Bitcoin, right? It's just, uh, it's one of those things that I would rather, um, just keep it in something that ultimately up and to the right, I don't care about the fluctuations up and down. I mean, there's enough in my bank account to cover some bills and that's it. As stable coins go, I really like the idea that I could self custody, even the amount that I would need to pay, you know, monthly instead of trusting a bank. Then there's the question though of, you know, circle and tether are these centralized entities that can just freeze your stable coins. Are they any more, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like reliable than a bank, probably not. No, they're so, not. Uh, self custody means nothing if you if, if if it's not a permissionless network, right? Like, yeah. If your so, thing for stable coins is self custody, then I would argue that technically that is just idiotic because they can just yeah. stop you, right? Like it's yeah. a centralized 
service. Yep. So I think I agree with you on, you know, West versus emerging economies, but I definitely don't take that toxic kind of maxi attitude towards all stable coins in all circumstances, because these things are legitimately a lifeline. And I think that they also, for people to McCor- uh, bringing it back, you know, to, to McCormick's point, the education and access to technology aspect of Bitcoin for lower class, uh, you know, poorer people, I guess. Um, there's something extremely valuable in kind of getting those mechanics down, right? Like going through the motions of understanding digital interactions and exchanges. And then that is just a transition, right, to Bitcoin. Like the, the next step is Bitcoin. Particularly, I think it doesn't take that much uh, education. So particularly in the case of these emerging economies, these are people who have been devastated by the lack of dollar access and by the dollar privilege of the West in so many ways. Um, Gladstein has covered this extensively. These are people who they deserve to get theirs. You know what I mean? Like, and I sure. think that there is an opportunity in, um, uh, Vijay Boyapati's The Bullish Case for Bitcoin, he made the comment that in a lot of these dictatorships where by executive fiat, you could just buy Bitcoin, right? Tomorrow, Joe Biden or you know Donald Trump or whoever it becomes, they can't just go put Bitcoin on the balance sheet, right? So right. these emerging economies, though, they're in a position to do it, right? And to finally get theirs. And so that's exciting. And, you know, somebody, you know, in the military who has seen what U.S. foreign policy and then you go to understand U.S. kind of foreign monetary policy, what this has done to people, the better the better future that they have, the best future that they have is something that is based on Bitcoin. It's going to completely change power dynamics in the world. Um, I think it starts to some extent with stable coins for them and it moves rapidly too. it's kind of the gateway drug, right? Stable coins, I think, for so many of these people are a gateway drug to Bitcoin. Well, it, it's similar to the thesis that I adopted very early on, but I've only just recently surfaced in my mind after, um, you know, really becoming big, convicted with Bitcoin is, you know, crypto in general, like the ones that aren't scams or Ponzi's are obvious, like just like money grabs mm-hmm. um, are, are cool technology, right? Like they're, they're sort of like they're, they're greasing the skids for things. And that's what a stable coin is, right? Like it's mm-hmm. cool technology to synthetically peg to the dollar. Um, and, but it's not, it just doesn't. It doesn't hit the same as Bitcoin, right? It's just not the same, right? It it, it it's just it not. really it really appeals to the libertarian in me, but the uh, the understanding of the dollar, right? Like it just kind of defeats the purpose of them, and I, I definitely right, yeah. I but it's a technological way. It is a technological advancement to access the dollar for those that otherwise could not. So yeah. again, like this whole like crypto a lot of shit coins a lot of like ponzi schemes and scams and everything like that but then these few ones that have serve an actual technological advantage which in the case of stable coins it's synthetic access to the dollar for people overseas that don't Mm. that can't get a u.s bank account right so like that is using technology to advance something it's just not you know it's just not the, the basis of that technology that it's being built on is what's shit because it's being built on fiat it's being built on the u.s dollar um it also makes me think you also just the McCormick thing in general and, and, and just this recent conversation here um, is something that I remember Jason Stapleton saying, which was like one of the first podcasters I think you introduced me to. Mm-hmm. But he had this like he was like being poor is a mindset like you can have five dollars to your name 
and get out there and start hustling and eat ramen and like do what you need to do to get ahead. But being poor is a mindset. Being a poor is choosing not to take action to better your position. And I don't know if, I don't know if Bitcoin fixes that, right? Like poverty is a mindset in, in a lot of ways. Um, it's not saying, it's not discounting that some people are just given a shit hand in life and will never overcome it because they're, they're, those that does happen. Uh, but there's also just a personal, you know, drive aspect to it where do you have the capability? Do you have the motivation, right? Even if you have the intellect or the capability or the, the abilities to overcome whatever issues you have in front of you, um, do you have the motivation? Do you have the desire to get up and do whatever it is? Uh, and that's where I think there's like a, a differentiator. You're not going to fix poverty. There will always there will always be poverty. I think there will be poverty on a Bitcoin standard for a number of years, right? We might get to a point where you know, relative to Bitcoin, everything else is so abundant that poverty is is close to being eliminated. But there's still going to be those people in the world that just don't care to do anything of value and just, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't like, maybe they can't, maybe they're in, able to. Um, but I, I hope that the incentives align such that, you know, Bitcoin encourages people to take care of people like that, right? Like I, I do, there's a level of compassion and charity that I believe in. Uh, every that that you know if you have excess of yourself and of your situation you know be charitable be charitable with your time right like that's the easiest it is the most expensive and the easiest thing for you to give away is your time right and it's i, I not to like shout out to us but like us taking the time to record this podcast to put these ideas and these thoughts out there um i i see it sometimes as a as a sort of like a charitable act like you're taking we're taking time to try to spread this message this positive message um there, there are a number of ways to do it, but, you know, I think as people regain their time, like death to the time thieves, right? Like the people creating inflation are stealing time from us. Time is money. Money is time. Like there's not a lot of people that dispute that. And if you're debasing money, you are debasing everybody else's time. And as Bitcoiners reclaim their time, they will have an abundance of a lot of other things that can then they can become charitable with. Yeah. At least that's my thesis. I don't know. Maybe everybody's just going to be an asshole on a Bitcoin standard and uh, the world's going to still suck, but we'll see. Well, you can't change human nature across the board. Um, but, you know, it's it's carrot and stick, right? Bitcoin changes incentives. Like incentives are one of the biggest aspects of Bitcoin that drive innovation and human decency. And it's why the Bitcoin community is so unique. Um, you see the pump and dump fiat attitude across the, you know, quote unquote, cryptocurrency space. But in the Bitcoin community, you see something that's very, very different. And there's always a little bit of moon boy attitude, right? That's always going to kind of be there too, particularly because we're still so early in the Bitcoin adoption uh, cycle. But at the same time, you know, Bitcoin is still going to fix so many incentive structures over time, I think. And so these people, you're right, there's always going to be people who are going to get caught up in poverty. They're going to have a impoverished mindset and attitude. But separate from state intervention and even, you know, local individual charities, churches and things like that are reaching out to, to these people and helping the less fortunate. Bitcoin is going to so completely and dramatically rewire 
the incentive mechanism. You know, all these people that are literally impoverished now that, like we talked about, went to college, got the degrees, did everything they were supposed to do, and are still impoverished. You know, these people who are struggling to get by, you know, the Bitcoin standard is going to lift all of them up. And I think there's a lot more of those people than there are just the genuinely impoverished poor mindset right. kind of people. Right? I agree. And so so I don't know agree. what the I don't know what the numbers on that would be. I don't know who gets lifted out of that and who doesn't. Maybe you're still left with say 1% of the population is struggling with poverty. Always going to be there. But then like you said, if you can get everybody else who wants to be lifted up, lifted up. If the system does that by itself, right? It's just an inherent, it's a feature of the system. Then the rest of us can figure out something else for the others, right? And we're not talking about a yep. Canadian healthcare solution, right? We're talking about an actual, <laughs> an actual uh, healthy, positive, uh, community-driven solution that would be extremely impactful on you know just the entire world. And you know, I don't want to take a global uh, collectivist attitude towards everything, but it would just be across the board, and that's something else to be very, very excited about. So is that what you're hopeful for, Tim? You know, I'm Let's hopeful. end on that. Let's, what are you hopeful for? I'm hopeful for for so many things. Um, One thing. I guess, I guess as it relates One to... One sentence. As it relates to Bitcoin, defunding the state. That's what I'm most hopeful for. And all good okay. things will flow from there. Okay. I am, uh, I'm hopeful for uh, Mastering Bitcoin 3rd Edition. I'm through Chapter 4. And... Uh, it's getting pretty, it's pretty dense. You want to master a book and I want to defund the state. So I guess, I guess I should probably change some of my expectations, maybe bring them more in line with something that's within my circle of influence. But those are uh, two positive things and you're going to get yours a lot sooner than I get mine. We'll see. Yeah. This is good, Tim. Yeah. Good talks, producer Gary. Thank you, fucking Tim. <laughs> Study Bitcoin. Study Bitcoin. Study Bitcoin. Dude, I do that. I do that every time. Have you noticed that? <laughs> like, I'm like, 